In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yesterday, I started my morning, as I usually do, by checking my calendar. Now, I'm pretty bad at reaching out to people on their birthdays, but I'm trying to get better. I have started adding birthdays to contact information in my phone uh, so that I'll get a notification the day before, day of, the birthday, and then I can reach out to people on their special day. As you are all probably well aware, I'm still pretty awful at it, um, but I'm trying to improve. Yesterday, my phone alerted me to a birthday. It was Chuck Yeager's birthday. He would have been 72. Every death that we've had at this church since I've arrived has been hard for me, but some more than others. I took Chuck's particularly hard. He was kind, loving, never asked for anything, and as generous as he could be. He was an excellent example of what it means to be a saint. So I was thinking about him. And I've been thinking about a lot about my dad, too. Um, none of you really got a chance to know him at all. He did move down here shortly after we did, but he was in rehab or the hospital the whole time until he eventually passed away. My dad, uh, no big surprise, my dad loved the Miami Dolphins. We had season tickets for as long as I could remember. I mean, that was uh, the only reason I got out of church was because the Dolphins were playing a one o'clock game and we had, to get, we had to get down to the stadium. My relationship with my dad um, was never great. But even if I had upset him, as I often did. And even if he was angry with me, which he often was, especially later in life, I always knew that I could get him to talk to me if I just started talking about the dolphins. The reason I've been thinking about him is because the dolphins are doing well. And for most of my life, even after I left home, if there was some news about the Finns, especially something positive, he'd be the first person I called. And then five years ago, that stopped. It just, it was gone. And I couldn't call him anymore. I don't understand how people can go through life thinking that this momentary, vaporous existence is all that there is. How people can go through life thinking that the 
the people who are of infinite value to us, right? How do you put a value on your father, your mother, your spouse, your kids? Can be here one day and gone the next, and then that's it. I don't know how people live like that. Truthfully, most people don't actually believe that. They don't actually live like that. Modern, I should say contemporary philosophers talk about the haunting of our age. With modernism, we thought we had closed the roof, that we could make sense of the world in purely imminent terms, purely in terms of what we could see, touch, handle, define. We thought we had cut off transcendence, but now we find that the space is haunted. That voices call out to us from the dark. That we can feel a presence here that we can't quite explain by our modern science. There's lots of ways to account for this. One way in Christian theology is to refer to the communion of saints. And that's what we celebrate today on All Saints Day. Those who have died are not gone. And we've had many that have passed away in the five years since I've been here. The collect for this day begins, Almighty God, you have knit together your elect into one communion and fellowship in the mystical body of your Son. I love that language. We have been knit together, separate strands made into one. Both we who are alive today And those who have preceded us, we have been knit together into one in the body of Christ. We are one in Christ with all those who have gone before us. My dad is not gone. Chuck is not gone. The others we have lost this year and in previous years are not gone. We are still knit together with them in the body of Christ. We are still one With them, they are not far from us. They are very near. But All Saints Day is about more than merely being united with those who have gone before us. Sometimes, and this might be the understatement of the year, sometimes Paul's language can be a little difficult to unravel. But I want us to look at what he says in our reading from Ephesians This morning, starting in verse 18, he says he wants them to have that the eyes of your hearts, the eyes of their hearts enlightened so that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards those who believe. 
When he speaks in verse 18 of the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, he is not talking about three different things. Paul is saying the same thing three different ways. Our hope, the riches of his, of his inheritance, the greatness of his power, they are all the same thing. And Paul says that they are, our, they are ours or they will be ours according to the working of his great might. Not, not just his general greatness, not just his general great power, but far more specifically, his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand, at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. He gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of Him who fills all in all. There is so much theology here, it's difficult to untangle it all. But what Paul is saying is that the hope of all the saints is that on the last day, God will do for us what He has already done for Jesus Christ. And this is our hope, not merely because God has said it, but because with all the saints, we are one with Christ in His body, in His resurrected body. When Paul says that the church, with saints past and saints present, saint, saints present is the body of Christ, he isn't speaking merely metaphorically. This is why the Colic speaks of the body of Christ as mystical. Mystical. When Paul speaks of the body of Christ, he isn't saying merely the church is like a body. He's saying the church is spiritually and mystically connected with Christ in such a way that we are His physical presence here on earth. And though like His body, we may be broken. And the early church said this all the time. The body of Christ was broken. We are the body of Christ. We should expect to be broken. Even if we are broken... God will raise us up by that very same power by which He raised Jesus from the dead, seated Him at His right hand, and gave Him the name that is above every name. It is by that same power that He will raise us up. And not just us, but us with all the saints, with Chuck, with my dad, with all the saints who have gone before us from this church. And He will do this because we are His body. And the Gospel says 
that God raised Christ's body from the dead. He did this for Jesus Christ on the first Easter morning. And He will do this again for all the saints on that last great day. God will not let Christ's body stay dead forever. Amen.